The adage, I've got your back, is something we say in here all the time. But what does it mean? What are the ingredients to a friendship or building character that equates to being this kind of person, this kind of friend? We're unpacking this in many different ways today and giving you a challenge to be the person who lives in a way that shows others, I've got your back. Hey, if you have found any value in this episode or any other, will you do me a big favor and just push pause and really quickly go leave us a rating or a review? It helps us so much with other people finding the podcast. that I really love What's is That's good. what does it mean to you when somebody says that to you for some reason I always think of like getting in a fight but that's not a good one <laughs> that's not a good one so hey, yours is probably better you know you're not alone that's you got people yeah, on your side that's you good you shouldn't be fighting in general though, you so. shouldn't be but fighting anyway well actually the very first thing that I thought of was Will Smith's version of just the two of us where he's like rapping with his kid and he says, remember one thing, I've got your back. It's a good one. And then he goes into the chorus. It actually is a really good version if you've never heard the Will Smith version of just the two of us. But anyway, the reason why we thought of this topic and we're talking about it was because the other day we were, we're in Hawaii right now. And a couple of days ago we were at dinner with some of our really dear friends of ours and a person came up who has received a lot of I don't know flack a lot of a lot of bad things have been said about this person and what came to my mind and they didn't they didn't bring anything up negatively just the topic of this person and why they've been kind of the subject of a lot of people's opinions and experiences and gossip and controversy and whatever came up. And I thought of the fact that the leader in our church, Russell M. Nelson, said in the talk that we talked about recently, Peacemakers Needed. He said, please listen carefully. And I always listen when the prophet says that or when our leader says that. So he says, if there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy that we can say about another person, whether to his face or behind her back, that should be our standard of communication. And I've thought about that a lot. So when this opportunity popped up, I said, actually, you know what? I've had a couple of personal one-on-one experiences with this individual that were amazing. Not just like kind of good, sort of good. They were impactful and really character building. And so I took the time to share those two experiences and it just felt good. And it doesn't take away from maybe anybody else's experiences with this person. It doesn't mean that theirs are invalid because mine are more valid. But I just think the opportunity to speak highly of another person is never, you're never going to go wrong sharing something that highlights the good in someone else because we all have good within us. We are all born with goodness in us with what we believe is the light of Christ. So it was interesting. Like I felt good because I think I knew that was the right thing to do. And then when we saw these friends the next day, they brought it up and they said that it made them feel really good too to just talk highly of someone behind their back. But what was your feeling in that experience? Yeah, just in general. I think it's really good. I always think of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Mm. and that's one of the principles that it talks about in that book. 
is never speak ill of others or gossip, which is just extremely, I mean, if you're being honest, it's really hard to do, to never But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You can focus on it. And I think I read that book for the first time as a teenager, like in high school. And so I think that had a big impact on me. And I, f- I feel like as a result, I was a way better friend and made more friends because You're really of that. good at this. Because I think people could could trust that a little more. But but it was hard. It's hard not to do. But there's a difference between never say bad things behind someone's back. Because I've tried really. I've really been in a place of striving to do that for years now and I'm not perfect at it but I think I get pretty close I mean would you say yeah, like no I totally would I, agree and I think I've improved a lot I think over the years I've really taken that seriously and it's elevated my quality of life my quality of friendships it just feels better to not say bad things about other people behind their backs however this was even a different mind shift for me when that opportunity arose to say something about someone that was positive I took that opportunity instead of just sitting back and thinking, well, this might be different than what they've heard. And so I don't want to seem like, I don't know. I just feel like I could have stayed silent just as easily. And instead of staying silent, I decided to speak up and say something good about this person. And it just felt good. And it made me think a lot like, wow, what if we did, what if everyone did that more? What if everyone Anytime there was an opportunity to say something positive about another person, whether it's behind their back or in front of their face, that you say it, I just think we would have such a better world. And I think all of the contention that we're constantly surrounded by and just seems to be more and more normalized, like, yeah, I speak up, like you do you, you say your, like, speak your truth. And it's not that no one should be speaking their truth. But I think that we've leaned pretty hard as a society into the negative. Like what about what, what would it look like if instead a bunch of us leaned into the positive and really made a conscious, intentional effort to say good things about other people? Yeah. And I think especially when they're not there, I think is really cool. I've, I've got, I have a, a friend you just grew up with and went to high school with one of my really good friends. And he just was so good at that and, and would really just go to people's defense, even in a moment when someone was talking badly or poorly about another like another person, he would be like, yeah, but you know what? I, I, I like them because of this, mm-hmm. or I think that I've hung out with this or, or he would come to their defense and be like, you know what? Sometimes everyone's kind of like that, or I can be that way. Or maybe if they were talking about how neg- this person was like negative or something, or or did something bad, he would give them the benefit of the doubt. And Mm -hmm. it was really cool. It taught me a lot because he would even, he would do it for everybody. And even in a situation where he was with good friends, like I was a close friend of his, he would even do it with me. If I was speaking poorly about somebody, he would, he would come to their defense and be like, yeah, but I kind of think this, I kind of think that they're a good person because of this. And it had an approach, it had a profound effect on me. And I think that in some instances, you can be tempted to be like, well, I could never feel charitable or compassionate toward another person. But even in the instance of Dave and what you went through there, I feel like there was such a change in you once you opened up your heart to like, maybe this person feels remorse or or even if they don't, like maybe there's something about the situation that I didn't know or 
just trying to like give them as much mercy and grace as possible that there could have been something that you didn't know about. Or I feel like when you shifted into that mindset, it changed you from the inside out. Yeah. I mean, my brother was shot and killed uh, in an altercation for over a, a property that he was working to had to basically evict somebody. And it, uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but that was the end result. This person was found and went through the legal system is now is serving in prison. But, but yeah, I think for me, what has really, I think making my own mistakes, going through my own recovery process in, you know, from addiction has, it's all about questioning your own self, questioning your own morals, your own, why you're doing something and why you're thinking a certain way, your motives, I guess. And going through that process, it, it challenged that to the core for me mm-hmm. in a situation where our, the knee-jerk reaction was so strong in the negative to be like, I've got every reason in the world to just hate this person, hate these people, and to feel that. But then to recognize God's no respecter of persons. And just from my my interactions with others and learning about people and really recognizing that a lot of times when I don't, maybe somebody that rubs me the wrong way or I don't take to a person very well, a lot of times it's just because I don't know them. And once I understand them and know them, like a lot of times I'm like, you know what? I love this person and I just didn't understand them or didn't understand what they're going through or didn't understand a situation that they were in at the time I had an interaction that was negative with them. And had I understood that, paradigm that they were in, I would have a greater love for them. And just looking at myself and the way that I sloppily trudge through interactions and walk away, just kind of cringing, going like, man, I I just, oh, that person probably thinks I'm such an idiot or they think I'm rude or whatever. So knowing all of that, I think it changed it for me. And, And then through a process of really working on that and praying and and spiritually trying to work through that, I think I found an, a way to understand and to see this person in a different light and be like, you know what? I, I don't know what their girl, their upbringing was like. I don't know yeah. what happened in their life to get them to places that took them down roads that maybe led to some decisions that, that weren't favorable. And furthermore, I don't know what happened in that whole situation. So I think it was very freeing to kind of put that at the feet of Christ, to lay it at his feet and say, for what I know and for what I don't know, I'm surrendering this. And mm-hmm. I'm trusting that the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ is enough for me and enough for this other person and enough for the situation to where even though I don't know so many things, I can trust that God does and that through the atonement of Christ, everything can be made whole. But it's a process that that doesn't, it didn't happen very quickly for me. It took a while. And that's okay. And, but me bringing that up, the reason why I brought that up was even in the most extreme of situations, if you feel like you've been wronged, there is an opportunity when you feel ready and when you choose to choose to be as charitable as you can 
in your thoughts and understandings of others. But let's talk about some other ways you can have somebody's back. I thought about this with my long, long stint of bed rest last year. And I thought about a lot of people's ways that they showed up for me, showed up for us. And there were so many kind things that people did and a lot of meals that were brought over. And But the thing that I feel like meant the very, very most to me were my friends who would come sit on the bed with me and just talk to me and say, like, how are you doing? And it was face-to-face interaction. They And they didn't need to bring a meal or a gift or a cookie or a whatever. It was just them. It was just their face. It was their heart and their time. Time is such a huge gift when you're willing to give your face time to someone. So that just absolutely meant the world to me. And I think there's a lot of lonely people out there. There are a lot of people who feel like they don't have that. So I was super grateful for the friends who were willing to just come over periodically and just sit on the bed with me and and be that friend who would come sit on my bed with me and just chat about life. And I actually was watching a documentary on Michelle Obama, and she was talking about her kitchen table friends. She was talking about how I think Oprah threw her her maybe 40th birthday party or something, and that Oprah was like, hey, who like who are your very closest friends? Like handful, maybe count on one hand, your very closest, most intimate friends. And she was like, I think the number was 16. And Oprah was like, nobody has 16 close friends. No, it was 12. It was 12 because maybe it was 16, but she was like, Jesus didn't even have, Jesus had 12 close friends. And he was, she was like, and one of them turned out to be a traitor, which is kind of funny. But Michelle Obama said, these were my kitchen table friends. These are the friends that like when things got rough or I just could not figure life out, they would come over and sit at the kitchen table with me. And those kind of friends, I feel like too, are the friends who come over even when your house is a mess. Like you don't care. When you get to that level where you don't feel like you have to clean up in order for somebody to walk in the door and be there for you, like that's true friendship. And I feel like you've got to be willing to give and receive that to be that kind of friend. And I think we can all do better at that. I can for sure. But I just, it it meant so much to me when my friends took the time to physically be there for me. And, and I've got your back in that situation meant I'm going to physically come to your bed and sit at your feet and talk to you. Yeah. No, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I just was thinking as you're talking, I'm like, I wonder how somebody gets to that point where they can be that type of a friend. And then we, I mean, we just heard this talk, we went to, to church today out here and heard a, a, one of the general authorities from our church, one of the leaders in our church was out here. Elder Bragg, and amazing. It, yeah, it was Let's awesome. Let's say good things about him. Totally. The guy was amazing. <laughs> but he talked about suffering and, and something that I've been thinking a lot about and why we go through suffering. And he was referencing Maui and, and kind of what happened over there with the fires and, and how that affected people and kind of this concept and brought up the concept of Christ and his suffering and reference to scripture. I don't remember the exact scripture, maybe you wrote it down, but it just talked about being partakers with Christ in suffering or or, or how that can be, kind of his point was how that can help us to become more like Jesus Christ. So 
Philippians 3, 10 and 11, it says that I may know him, speaking of Christ, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So it was the fellowship of his sufferings. So kind makes of you qualified to be like Christ. More and, like, yeah. More Christ like. And by going through challenging things, we can have like kindness, charity, and compassion for others in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to develop had we not gone through those things. So I thought a lot about that. And even just as he was talking, I thought about that. I'm like, you know, I, I had a friend who lost a brother in high school. And I remember the way that I felt when I heard that because I had lost a brother in elementary school when I was in sixth grade. So immediately, I think there was like just this overflowing of love that I felt and compassion for him. And I think for me, it was just, I was like, I just, what can I do? And so I just showed up at his doorstep and was like, hey man, like, I, I just want to tell you, I, I understand. And, and I think it, I didn't really say anything that amazing, but I think it had an impact. And I thought about it that. Did. It did because multiple people in his family have brought that up. Like his sister-in-law's have brought that up when I've met them. It's one of the first things they bring up is like, oh, when this happened in, in my husband's family, they still talk about how Neil showed up and helped. And it was so important that you were there in that moment. And it, it was cool. And it was, I just felt uh, just an overwhelming love. And I, I thought about that today as, as Elder Bragg was speaking. And then I thought about why why did I feel that way? And it had to go, th it had to do with going through what I went through and losing my own brother and remembering how I felt. And because I just, I felt that same, I just felt so much compassion for this friend. So I look at some of the ladies, the gals that came over when you were on bed rest. And I think about several of them, if not all of them had have been through some things in life that where they were maybe on the receiving end of, of help because of challenges that they'd been through. And I thought about like how it wasn't just paying it forward. I mean, they just completely understood. It was like they understood at a level that maybe your average person didn't understand the same way. It's really, I don't know. That was my take on it. Yeah. It was out of love. It was out of total Christ-like love and care I never felt like a a chore or a to-do on someone's list. It felt like, I love you and I'm here for you. And that's having someone's back. When somebody's down, you got to lower your expectations of them. And I think sometimes we get this wrong in friendship. When somebody needs people the most, they can then become kind of flaky or unreliable or unresponsive. And that's when you don't give up on someone. Having somebody's back means that you don't give up when they go down. Because when somebody goes down, whether it's, a 
health crisis or a marriage or a death or whatever, that's when they're going to just be in absolute, complete rock bottom survival mode. And I remember, I've already talked about this once, but it was quite a while ago. My friend Amy, when I had just severe postpartum depression with Harry in 2020, she understood. And so she would ask me like, hey, do you want to go on a walk? And a lot of times I would say, no, I can't because I couldn't even get out of bed. And she didn't give up on it. A lot of people would get a no and be like, oh, I tried. They don't want me around or, you know, like I, I tried once and they said no to me. But a real true friend who's got your back won't give up when you go down. Remember that when you feel prompted or when someone pops into your mind, it's for a reason. And you should, you know, say, hey, I'm, can I come over and bring you this? Or can we chat? Or let's go on a walk. And if they say no, don't take that as a no forever. It might just be no today if they're really going through something. And the friends that have not given up on me have just meant everything to me. Yeah. And I I think a lot of times the people that I look at somebody like you or somebody who's really like reaches out to help other people in their times of challenge. I think a lot of times for those people, it's so hard to accept the help. That's how a lot of times for me, that's like, I wouldn't consider myself some like really amazing outreach person. I try and follow the spirit or try and be there for people. But, but I think it is not a gift of mine to accept help. It's really hard for me. And even if I need help Mm -hmm. to ask for it. Yeah. So I think people who truly know me or like understand that or like, look, let me just help you. Let me just be there. Or they can kind of, kind of push through that a little bit. You're, you being one of those people. I'm thinking of the time that you just sliced your hand open and it was like, it was (laughs) practically like bone hanging out. And you were like, no, no, I'm fine. And I was like, you are not fine. You need to get that stitched up. And you didn't want to listen to me, but you for sure needed stitches. And that's that's like a very good physical example of what a lot of us go through, though, emotionally and spiritually and internally, where you're just ripped apart. And it might feel really scary, but you need to have the courage to ask for help. And people want to help. People care. And if you reach out to somebody and they don't care, they don't respond, go to the next person. Like keep reaching out until you find somebody because there are people in your life who care. I promise. I guarantee you there are people and you might have just caught the first person in a moment where they weren't available or whatever. But one of the times that I did that was when I tried to come off of the medication that I was on for postpartum depression way too quickly. And it was a scary, dangerous situation where I could feel myself like in a just plunge of mental health where I was just spiraling to the bottom so fast. And I was sitting in my closet crying and I just sent a text to three friends, three friends who I knew were within a couple of blocks. And I said, I am not okay. And they came literally running. So, uh, but that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had the courage to say, I am not okay. So you've got to have and promise yourself that if you ever get into that situation where you 
have scary thoughts or where you're really feeling just buried in life that you will have the courage to say, I'm not okay and send that text or, or phone call. And there's, there's a helpline too. 988 is the suicide and crisis lifeline. But if nothing else, that's where you've got somebody who's always willing to pick up that phone call and talk to you and have your back. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people who want to help, they just need to know how to help. Yeah. Like there's plenty of people who totally would, but it's kind of, it's, it's hard in that situation. I've been on both sides of it where you're like, I really want to be there for this person right now, but I just don't know how, like what's appropriate. I don't want to smother them. I don't want to like, maybe they're getting bombarded. Maybe they just had a death in the family and you're like, I don't want to be another text message they have to respond to. Well, let's talk about that. Cause we talked about that literally today. I got a DM from someone who said, Hey, my uncle died by suicide last night. I, this is a family that we're really close to. We see them multiple times. I think she said like seven or eight times a year. Like we're really, really close with them. And I don't know what to do, but I, I want to show up, but in the right way, tell me if you guys have any thoughts. I know you have experience with this. So Neil's comments were. Well, I think just being on the other side of that, both sides of it, I think my, my thought was, or suggestion was like just a text message of, Hey, you, you don't have to, don't, don't respond to this or don't feel like you need to respond to this, but I just wanted to, wanted you to know, and then dot, 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 and then just speak from the heart. Like I really, my heart goes out to you. Like, I love you. I love your family. I want to be there for you. I, whatever the spirit dictates. And, and that in those situations for I, th- I think there's so much there. There's so much feeling that it's it, it can kind of flow out as far as what needs to be said in the spirit totally will dictate or your your inner self or higher power, whatever you call that, will guide you on what to say and maybe what not to say. Mm-hmm. But I think giving somebody the option of like, look, you don't respond. You don't or you don't need to respond, but I just want you to know no that. No need to respond, yeah. For me, when that happened, when I learned my brother died, like just so many text messages were coming through, but I did read them. I read every single one of them eventually. I maybe just heart responded back and and didn't give like a full response, but, but it did mean something and I did feel it. And it was extremely helpful and meaningful and strengthening to get that. And I think that sometimes because we're afraid or we don't want to smother or we're worried, we don't send anything. And when in fact that maybe it's not the right thing to do, that there are some words of encouragement that are needed. I think it's important also to show up and show people you've got their back in whatever way is genuine for you. And for some people, that's like, hey, let me come get your kids. Or maybe let me walk your dog for you. For me, growing up with a mom who loves to cook and I really love to cook too. For me, that feels like a creative outlet. It feels like love. It feels like a an offering of love. I love to show up for people like that. Warm bread or a warm meal or some cookies or whatever. And I think the key with that, and this is something my mom taught me, is not to say, hey, let me know if you need anything. That's as well-meaning as people are. It's not helpful <laughs> at all because... of the time when that person needs something, they're not going to call someone who just kind of said to them like, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. 
and people mean, they really, really mean well when they say that. But I promise you, it's so much more meaningful to say to someone in whatever way, like, hey, I, I'm going to bring you lunch or dinner next week. Like, what is Tuesday or Wednesday better for you? Or do you guys have a meal train going? I want to make sure I bring a meal soon. Or can I come get your laundry for, from you? And sometimes, in depending on the situation and depending on how close you are with them, sometimes it's super meaningful to just go do something. Like I remember it was extremely meaningful to Dave's family when he passed away in January and people from his ward went over and just took down Christmas, put it away in bins. They like put fresh batteries in all of the fire alarms and stocked the fridge, stocked the freezer, just did little things like that so that the family wouldn't have to worry about some of those things. And I remember hearing like how meaningful that was to just feel like their people just showed up without even asking. That can be a, depending on the situation and how well you know the family and what the situation requires at the time. But to get back to how to have somebody's back, just showing up for people in the way that feels right and feels good to you is always better than a like, hey, let me know. You know, as well-meaning as that is, I just think most of the time for me, and I think for you too, you're not going to feel comfortable calling someone up and being like, hey, I need a meal. And and actually, for that matter, when I was on bed rest, a lot of times people would say that, like, hey, if you need dinner, let me know, you know, or let me know if you need something. But the thing was, is like, I could, we could, DoorDash or I could have you put like a three ingredient crock pot meal together. So we could do it, but it was extremely challenging. And so when somebody said, hey, I'm bringing dinner this week, it just was so helpful when people just showed up in that way or in another way. If, if dinner's not your thing, that's fine. But I just think like showing up physically somehow for someone, it just, it means a lot. Yeah. I think about a story. I was just talking to Spence. He's been on the podcast. We were hanging out with him yesterday here in Hawaii. And he's been a professor at BYU. And he talked about this just rock star student that he had. And he said, he was telling this story that he he kept showing up to class. He'd kind of come in right when it started, you know, and, and be like, oh, I don't have a marker. He kept forgetting his marker every day. So this student just started bringing a set of markers to class just for Spence, the professor. He's like, Hey, I knew you'd need a marker today. So I just brought a set for you. And he's like, this kid was just amazing. And he's like, I thought, you know, then, he, then the next week it was like, Hey, I thought you might need some water like while you're teaching. So I, I brought you and it wasn't like loaded. He wasn't trying to just get a good grade. I think he just genuinely, the the term that Spence used was observe and serve. Mm. Like he would see a need and then, and then serve to fill that need. And it was very, from a very genuine place, as he described it, the student. So I think that that's super powerful. It kind of stuck with me, observe and serve to where it's like, I, if I see something to where I'm like, man, I really could help this person in a certain way, then let me just do that. And, and there's so cool. much, there's so much joy and fulfillment in serving others. And I all the time will catch myself going, oh my gosh, I just keep asking God for things for me or 
clarity or answers or peace or whatever. And those aren't bad things to ask for. But sometimes I'll just realize like, oh my gosh, I've been so selfish. I'm just asking me, 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 me. And even on this trip, I stopped and went, wait a minute. Maybe we're here for someone else. Maybe we are supposed to be part of someone else's story. And something actually recently happened where in a worldly standpoint, we actually should have been super bummed that like something that we put a ton of effort and time into to make something work and set it all up totally didn't work out in the end. And it was after like weeks of a lot of time and effort. And it was like immediately when it happened and it fell through and it didn't work out, I knew that it wasn't because we needed it. It was because it helped someone else. It was so obvious to me like, oh, this whole thing happened so that this person could be in a better situation. It was very, very clear to me. And I think that it turned that situation from something that could have been like a big bummer into something that felt like peaceful and like we were part of something that helped somebody. And in that regard, it felt so fulfilling to look at it in that lens of like, hey, you know what? This was just so that somebody else could be set up in a really good way. Yeah. I'm thinking of my, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my high school humanities teacher. She said to me, she's like, Neil, someday you're going to realize it's not about you. Like, I think I just had like a big e- ego in high school and was always like wanting to be the center of attention in her, in her class. She's so amazing, this teacher. But she was totally right. I think we think so much in terms of like, and even in a good way, it's not like it was a bad way. It's like, well, what do I need to do? What do I? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, what, what do you need to do for this person? And this is about them getting what they need. And yeah. there's an opportunity for you to bless somebody's life and and you you might not see it that way initially but in truth this is for them so that you can help somebody in a big way and i'm like that's awesome how cool and i like what a great perspective and i think you totally had such a good perspective on that and read on it it's really cool just bringing it back to the original thought of if we can say something good about somebody else say it to their face or behind their back, if we can think the best of someone else, think it. If we can assume the best of other people, assume it. If we can, even in the very hardest situation like you went through with the guy that killed your brother, if you can even try to have charity and compassion of maybe there's a part of this story that I don't know. Even if you think you know the whole story, how can we become the best version of ourselves and if you believe in Jesus, like how can you become more like him? It is to be like this. So I'm going to end with this quotation that I love so much by Marvin J. Ashton. And he says, perhaps the greatest charity comes when we are kind to each other, when we don't judge or categorize someone else, when we simply give each other the benefit of the doubt or remain quiet. Charity is accepting someone's differences, weaknesses, and shortcomings, having patience with someone who has let us down, or resisting the impulse to become offended when someone doesn't handle something the way we might have hoped. Charity is refusing to take advantage of another's weakness and being willing to forgive someone who has hurt us. Charity is expecting the best of each other. None of us needs one more person bashing or pointing out where we have failed or fallen short. 
most of us are already well aware of the areas in which we are weak. What each of us does need is family, friends, employers, and brothers and sisters who support us, who have the patience to teach us, who believe in us, and who believe we're trying to do the best we can in spite of our weaknesses. Whatever happened to giving each other the benefit of the doubt? Whatever happened to hoping that another person would succeed or achieve? Whatever happened to rooting for each other? Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.